So, Ari, you're the chief strategy officer in an area where organizations are looking back at the last 10 years of digital transformation, and they're trying to figure out a way to really move to this AI acceleration phase. So looking back, you know, are there big key technology themes that you think or technology leaders really got right in their strategies? Yeah, I think, um, I will talk about AI a lot, I'm sure. But I think one of the things they did right is they sort of embraced this digital transformation, very specifically around how do you automate and digitize the transactions or the interactions you have with customers, mm -hmm. with partners. And part of that was driven by customers wanting to interact with people differently, mm -hmm. but also they realized that that's the way to stay ahead. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that, as a result of that also, is they realized that they need to harvest all the data that came out. And I think both of those, I think, are things that they did pretty well, and COVID helped with that, because if you yeah. didn't do that, you're probably gonna get out of business. So so that, that's the way sort of they invested in those things. Yeah, it is wild. The, the COVID uh, pandemic was like a wrecking ball to a lot of different right. transformation plans. That's right. a lot accelerator. Of it takes accelerator. A lot of people talk about it's a 10 year pull forward, mm -hmm. uh, which which is true. I think we're seeing that modulated a little bit now, but I think what it, what it made it very clear is that if you weren't investing, you're way behind. Yeah. So it actually just kind of got people to move faster. Yeah. So thinking about the, the flip side of that coin, which is, you know, we've, we've moved into these digital transformations. We've rushed many times headlong into That's them. That's right. Are there any, you know, sort of key trends that you think that, you know, technology leaders, organizations really got wrong on math? Yes. Which is, <laughs> which is usually the answer is yes, for sure. <laughs> I think the way I think about it, I thought a lot about this question and maybe I'll, I'll get a little philosophical. Okay. I think we did the same thing we do all the time, which is we got excited about a piece of technology mm -hmm. and then we pushed deploying it without really understanding the use case, without really understanding what problem does it really, really solve. Mm -hmm. There's so many examples of that all the way back uh, to, to original storage technologies, compute technologies, et cetera. And I think, so to me, all of the problems I, I thought about mm -hmm. sort of fit into that theme, which yeah. is, it was just a technology, people got excited about it, but yeah. but never quite got to what problem does it really solve for customers. Yeah, so not focusing on use cases, clear. Now, you know, we've looked back a little bit here, but I want to talk about this the, this piece of um, research that the team at Splunk's leadership team has produced called this Executive Predictions for yeah. 2024. So give us a sense of what does this uh, piece of uh, research mean and what, what's the goal and what you're trying to share you know, with the world? Yeah, we, we, it's good every once in a while, once a year, mm -hmm. to step back and talk about uh, things that we got right, things that are interesting, but also look forward and say, hey, how do you put some of these technology trends and themes in the context of what we do mm -hmm. and in the context of what customers expect us to help them with? Mm -hmm. um, and this year is sort of no different. It's, it's an incremental report, meaning it's building on a lot of the themes that we talked about last time, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. um, but it also tries to put the AI madness in context, which I yeah. think is a really good thing. It's sure. in the context of resilience, it's a context of security, of, of observability, mm -hmm. and sort of helps the customers um, put that lens on it. It also helps us uh, put a point of view out there yeah. as a vendor, mm -hmm. uh, as a strategic partner to our customers to say, hey, here are the things that we think are going to happen over the next year. Mm -hmm. I think the one other thing that maybe is different this time around is I would say there are a lot of non-pure tech trends that we talk a lot about. For okay. example, uh, you know, non-market issues like regulations yeah. or uh, government programs or government scrutiny on things like cyber, but also the the role of the the C-suite changing. I think all of those are interesting this year, and I think they're very relevant. And I'm I'm glad that we address them in this report as well. Well, for sure. And it's I mean, it's a transformational time. I think 
in recent memory, I have a hard time thinking of another, you know, sort of epoch where, yes. you know, you had this sort of massive transformation. And clearly the, the area of technology that's driving, at least a lot of the noise, as you said, is artificial intelligence. That's right. So cut through the noise for me, like really simply, what do technology leaders need to be bracing for in 2024 as it relates to actually seeing AI come to fruition? Well, I think the first thing we, we should recognize is we are definitely on the accelerated part of the hype curve right mm -hmm. now. And so it's AI is everywhere. And I think what I would say to, to peers and to customers and executives is you're always going to feel like you're behind. And the reality is you're not behind yeah. because you are on the hype curve. <laughs> um, so, so then in the context of, you know, I'm not going to comment about AI in, in things maybe outside of what we do as Splunk. But let me, let me talk about it in, in our context. You know, for me, you know, if you step back and talk about where is AI going to be relevant and where we see it already being relevant, it's really about augmenting humans, yeah. right? So how do we make things easier and better for our customers in the context of the workflows that they do today? Mm -hmm. So think, for example, automation. Yeah. Automation is a huge pain point because it helps unlock the, the talent that they have because there's a shortage of talent. Mm -hmm. It helps them be a lot more proactive. Moving from reactive to proactive is kind of the holy grail of Absolutely. resilience. Yeah. And I think AI will play a huge role in both of those. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to take a while for it for us to trust that AI is gonna have the right accuracy because that's still still something we have to think about. Um, but I think for me, think about areas in the workflow that is gonna get augmented by AI, either to make it run faster, better, or just more accurate over time. And I think automation is probably the, the word that, that I think will be probably the most um, interesting as we look back and say, what specific changes did AI make? I think in the area of automation in our world, I think will be yeah. will be a big area. What do you think when we, I think sometimes the fear is when we say things like automation and AI, we, you know, many folks feel like maybe we hand over too much. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that as a, as a strategic leader thinking about where to implement AI in your, in your stack, in your business process? What are some of the principles that like just are good yeah. sort of guides for, for folks that are leading yeah. these projects? No, that's, that's a really good question. You know, for me, it's actually very simple. It starts with the human has to be in the loop, mm -hmm. right? That's actually one of our principles that our CTO, I think, has come up with around AI. And I think to me, that's been a good simplifying sort of principle. Mm -hmm. And so the way to think about it is you're not, again, you're not deploying technology for the sake of technology. Mm -hmm. You actually should start with the workflow. So start Perfect. with the human. What is the human doing day in and day out? And then where can the technology be inserted? The AI technology can be inserted to make their job easier, better, or to drive to a better outcome. For sure. And to me, if you start from that lens of what problem you're solving or what workflow you're making better, I feel like you will cut through maybe the noise around just using AI for the sake of using AI. Yeah. And I think we as technology vendors, we love marketing hype. <laughs> and so people are gonna use AI everywhere. You know, they insert it in every solution brief and every marketing message. And I think it's almost sort of incumbent upon the, the customer to really step back and say, how does it work in my context, in my workflow? Yeah. And that's sort of my advice, which is mm -hmm. think about the work that the human is making or, or doing, and then let's, let's figure out where technology can be inserted. Yeah, it is funny you mentioned that the you know, marketing organizations oftentimes uh, use a loose definition of AI that's right. to, to kind of AI wash, to that's, get on to get on the curve. AI washing. But I think there's another side of that loose definition that's actually, I think, going to present some interesting challenges in 2024, which is around uh, this recent mandate, mm -hmm. or excuse me, the executive order yes. that the White House here in the U.S. has, has released around artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I think it's a very sweeping, That's wide right. piece of, uh, you know, I don't, you can't call it legislation, no. I guess, but you, you call it an executive order. order. Yeah. yeah. That I think is going to have a lot of challenges in terms of 
how do we define AI so that we can actually abide those mandates? What do you, what's your take on the kind of how that executive order is going to shape uh, AI projects, but also leadership organizations in technology? Yeah, I, I think what it's going to do to some degree is it has got to force people to slow down a little bit, which mm -hmm. I actually think is a feature, not a bug in this instance, because okay. I think that I think we've learned from maybe the advent of social media and the and and the fact that it wasn't regulated for a long period to come. I think people are trying to get ahead of that to some degree, which I think is yeah. is not bad. It's good. I think the for us though, I think if you um, uh, my sense is people are still trying to interpret this sort of big document that came out, mm -hmm. and I think uh, I think for automation for things where you know where the data is coming from, where you understand uh, how it's going to get used in the, within privacy constraints, mm -hmm. how it's going to help your use cases get better. I think a lot of what's in that executive order is going to be helpful yeah. because it's more about trying to get people to think about where is the data coming from? How is it being trained? Where can it go wrong? All of these things are helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's it's definitely much broader from a scope perspective than I think the areas that we're going to see it at least deployed in, the, in our markets and our use cases. Yeah, interesting. Well, technology leaders are under a lot of pressure to do two things. One, they're constantly trying to implement new technology. We hear you know CEOs talk about it in their letters to shareholders that innovative technologies, disruptive technologies drive the business forward. But they also are being told you got to do so in a very secure fashion. Like yep. cybersecurity is a massive concern, and the the confluence of those two and sort of the way you answer those what is this term resilience that we've really rallied around. Yeah, both the federal governments you know around the world have sort of adopted it. Um, how do you expect leaders in 2024 to really like balance that, which is that absolute need to innovate, mm -hmm. but to do so securely? What, what do you think that's going to mean for the C-suite and the board? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really great question. I think resilience, it's funny, I would say last couple of years, resilience was, we were expressing resilience in the context of business impact. Mm -hmm. So say, hey, if your systems go down, if your website goes down, if you're an online retailer, you're hemorrhaging money, you're hemorrhaging customer experience, et cetera. Um, which I think is very, very important. And that in itself made it a board topic mm -hmm. because if you're, if it's business impacting, it should be a board topic. I think now that word resilience has taken on yet another sort of broader sweeping meaning because governments are coming in and saying, hey, we're mandating critical infrastructure companies be secure. We have an executive order on software yeah. cybersecurity that came out that actually is trying to make sure that we're testing and pressure testing the supply chain yeah. that we're using to create software. All of these are actually becoming even making resilience even more important and a more critical board topic. Mm -hmm. um, and so for for executives, I think you need to just make sure you're making business decisions, but not lose track of the fact that you cannot compromise around your security posture. Mm -hmm. And that's the part where I think it's becoming super clear that you cannot make that trade-off, mm -hmm. even though it may you may have to go slow to go fast, you can't afford to create, to knowingly create sort of any vulnerability in your system mm -hmm. because the cybersecurity awareness is becoming a lot higher. And we saw all of the, the SEC mandate, mm -hmm. the executive order that I mentioned from the, from the White House, these things are becoming um, very clear for everybody that yeah. cybersecurity is no longer a CISO, mm -hmm. just a CISO um, uh, mandate. It's now a board of directors, it's a CEO mandate, C-suite mandate. And so I think the trade-off is pretty clear, which is you cannot afford not to be secure, mm -hmm. so that, and you can't afford not to be resilient. So everything you do has to be in the context of what is the risk mm -hmm. and how does it make me more secure or less secure? Yeah. Um, there is very little, every conversation we have now is about tell me the risk mm -hmm. and tell me how this helps my security posture or maybe hurts my security posture. Mm -hmm. And AI, by the way, 
is yet another attack vector that people have not completely gotten around. And so that's got to be one of those things that we will learn more about the kind of vulnerabilities that that actually uh, introduces into new environments. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. I think the you mentioned before that there's going to be this, there's transformations happening between the executive leadership team, specifically in the technology domains and how they're interacting with the board. How do you think all this changes, like the the relevance and yeah. the, the seat at the table that, that folks like CISOs and CTOs have in the year ahead? You know, I actually think, and I mentioned it, the report talks about that, and I think it's a really, really critical thing. I think we'll look back as, you know, at this moment as a really seminal moment in terms of the definition of these roles. So we're talking about CISO, CTO, CIO, um, but also changing roles of CFO and chief legal officer. And there are sort of a couple of reasons for that. One is almost every company now is thinking about, if not already created a cybersecurity committee of the board of directors, uh, because it's becoming that important for people to have that sort of specialization versus having cybersecurity be a topic at the um, at the audit committee, for example. For sure. uh, the other thing that's happening is because of the visibility from the SEC and from other government agencies and because of the White House um, executive order, it's becoming a, uh, a business requirement for people to have a lot more knowledge around the security environment. So what that means is the CISO now is interacting with the board on a regular basis. Uh, the CIO and the CTO are also incredibly involved because when we talk about security posture now, it's not just about what the CISO owns, it's about the entire business. Sure. It's about what the CIO owns, it's about what the CTO owns, it's about developing software, it's, it encompasses everything. And it's at Splunk, whatever we present to our cyber committee, our CISO is always presenting hand in hand with, the, with our head of, tech, of IT and our head of products and technology because you have to think about the business in its entirety. Um, and so all of those roles are becoming incredibly more strategic because they're now being being updating the board every quarter. They're being asked to attest to the to the security posture of the company. And then with with other agencies like the SEC getting involved, now you have the CFO mm -hmm. and the chief legal officer are now thinking about disclosures in the context of cyber. So they now need to understand cyber. They need to be cyber aware. Mm -hmm. I think technology companies have a leg up because a lot of the uh, the CFOs and the chief legal officers, I think, at tech companies are probably a little bit savvier. Mm -hmm. I think in, in the rest of the industries, I think they're going to need to get up to speed. And I think the SEC is not singling out the technology company. Yeah. Every company has has a security posture. And so it, that's going to be a really big change, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so more strategic, these roles will be more strategic, and then more people need to be aware of cybersecurity across the C-suite. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though. I think the, the, the role of the CISO, while it is changing rapidly, I don't know if it's changing for the better. I think it's one of these where, as you talked about, I agree the with and the legal, the yeah. legal requirements of disclosure, is we're seeing CISOs being convicted, of targeted, yes, and targeted, yes. Oftentimes, when they lacked the authority budget to do anything about so that's right. Issue. So, with that said, the CISO, I think, role is getting more challenging, but as you said, it's more interesting. Do you think that we're going to start to see more technology sort of executives? get promoted into these CEO type roles, whereas maybe traditionally CEOs have come from more of the finance or legal or operations side. Do you think that's a, a good thing that may happen for CISOs? I think, I think I would say it's definitely a mixed bag. I think it's exactly what you've just described. I think, I think most CISOs right now are probably not looking at it as a great thing. I think most of them are realizing that it's becoming, uh, it's coming with a lot of exposure uh, and things that they don't necessarily control. Um, and I think hopefully that will resolve itself over time as we start to get more clear about definitions around these things. Um, 
But what I would say, I think the positive is they're going to be sought after both on boards um, as well as an executive. I think if you're hiring a new executive or, or, or you're, you're assembling an executive team, I think having knowledge in cybersecurity and technology is definitely becoming even more important. Mm -hmm. You know, two years ago, we talked about every company is becoming a software company. Sure. That, so we were already down that path. I think now that has really gotten elevated yeah. where you need to understand a lot more. And so in some ways, I think uh, short term, it's painful. I think long term, I think it makes their jobs and skill sets even more yeah. uh, desirable. Yeah. So thinking about the predictions, I know that you and the, the rest of the ELT, you know, had a part in it. You had lots of interesting concepts we won't have time to get into, but I want to fast forward even further out than 2024. So let's go out like, let's say 20 years out. So now this time is, is in the history books and we can look back on it. And clearly we'll have a, a great sense of history because we're recording everything. Everything is digital. Yes. So exactly what happened. <laughs> but what do you predict that we're going to say about like this era right now in technology and this era of transformation? What do you think we're going to look back and say about it? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think that um, what I think we will say is, especially this particular time, I think we would say, man, we really overestimated the short-term impact of AI, mm -hmm. but man, did we underestimate how transformative it was in everyday life uh, 20 years out. Okay. And I think that's, to me, it's very classic, which is you, you typically have a lot of hype in the short term. Mm -hmm. You go through that valley of despair. But I think AI is one of these things where you look back, kind of like the internet, and they say in 20 years, it has basically affected almost every aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that AI has the potential to do that. For sure. Now, if you, you're standing there 20 years in the future, and you have a piece of advice that you can send back in time to yeah. technology executives, leaders of organizations today, What's the what's the thing that they need to do next year and over the year ahead to be most successful? Yeah, oh, I think that the the first thing I would say is maybe don't overreact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, um, an old friend of mine used to say, if you're ch if you're fundamentally changing your business strategy every year, then maybe you didn't have a business strategy to begin with. Uh -huh. And I, I actually think I think that's true. Mm -hmm. And so the way I should think about it, the way I would think about it, or my advice is think about these technologies as enablers for you. So how do I use all of these trends and technologies to make myself more competitive, to drive more differentiation in my existing business strategy. So, so A, don't overreact, but B, don't ignore it. Because yeah. that's the other thing that you know is true, because technology is moving so fast that if you're just taking your time and if you're ignoring it, you're behind yeah. 100%. And so how do you experiment? How do you leave room for you to, to fail fast, you know, run pilots, try to drive sort of net new projects just to understand and learn, and then you can implement and figure out what scales. And so, so you can't ignore it, but also you have to put it in the context of your business and what makes you successful and try to say, hey, how do I push these differentiators forward and leverage technology to be able to do that? Be sure to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're currently using. If you're listening and you wanna watch the show, check out YouTube. And if you're watching, but you'd prefer to listen, Check out the Perspectives podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, you should also check out the Security Detail podcast by Audra Streetman and Kirsty Payne. They explore cyber threats across a variety of industries with some of the most trusted names in cybersecurity. And don't forget to check out Splunk.com forward slash perspectives for blogs featuring the latest executive takes on today's security and technology topics by leaders and for leaders. Thanks for listening.